This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of pathologic scoliosis from the spine section on orthobullets.com. Pathologic scoliosis is a painful, usually mild scoliosis resulting from a benign bone tumor most commonly located in the posterior elements of the spine. Causes include osteoid osteomas and osteoblastomas. Osteoid osteomas occur in the apex of the concavity of the curve. Curves are typically rigid and can occur in the vertebral body or posterior elements. Keep in mind that osteoid osteomas demonstrate the same histology as osteoid osteomas in the peripheral skeleton. Osteoblastomas are a larger lesion than osteoid osteomas, however pain is usually less severe than in osteoid osteoma. With respect to the epidemiology, pathologic scoliosis can occur in all age groups. With respect to the mechanics, scoliosis is thought to develop in response to a painful paraspinal muscle spasm. With respect to the prognosis, outcomes are good with treatment. Most cases of scoliosis due to osteoid osteoma will resolve after resection of the tumor if performed within 15 to 18 months of the onset of the curvature and the child is less than 11 years old. With respect to the presentation, patients with pathologic scoliosis have symptoms of back pain, which is most commonly at night, and the pain is relieved by anti-inflammatories. However, keep in mind that there is less relief reported with osteoblastomas. On physical exam, you may find that the curvature of the spine in the posterior trunk is usually mild, and on neurological exam, patients may have neurological deficits with an osteoblastoma. However, the findings are dependent on the level of the lesion. With respect to imaging, recommended views on radiographs include an AP and a lateral of the spine, which can determine the level and severity of the curvature. With respect to findings, the lesion is defined by cortical thickening with a radiolucent nidus. An osteoid osteoma is less than 1 cm in diameter by definition, and an osteoblastoma is greater than 1.5 cm. With respect to a CT scan, keep in mind that a fine cut is best for outlining the lesion and determining the treatment plan. An MRI is good for showing the proximity to neurovascular structures, however may only show soft tissue edema and not the nidus. And finally, a bone scan has markedly increased uptake in the area of the lesion. Treatment of pathologic scoliosis can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes NSAIDs and observation, which is indicated for minimal curves. With respect to outcomes, it may take up to 36 months to resolve, and remember that osteoblastomas usually do not respond to NSAIDs. Operative options include an on-block resection of the lesion or a radiofrequency ablation of the lesion. An on-block resection of the lesion is indicated for painful progressive scoliosis. As far as outcomes, there is a resolution of the curve if the lesion is removed within 15 to 18 months of the onset of the curve in a child less than 11 years old. A radiofrequency ablation of the lesion is usually not an option due to the proximity of neurological structures of the spine. However, this is done on a case-by-case basis based on 3D studies, for example, CT or MRI. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A 13-year-old premenarchal girl presents with back pain and scoliosis. A bone scan and a SPECT scan demonstrate intense tracer uptake in the left transverse process of L3, characteristic of an osteoid osteoma. Dextroconvex scoliosis of the thoracic and levoconvex scoliosis of the lumbar spine is noted. Axial and coronal reconstructed CT images 
show a lesion of the left transverse process of L3 with a dense nidus with surrounding lucency. What is the most likely diagnosis? And the choices are 1. Metastasis, 2. Aneurysmal bone cyst, 3. Osteoblastoma, 4. Osteoidosteoma, and 5. Eosinophilic granuloma. The correct answer to this question is 4. Osteoidosteoma. So the patient in the question stem has an osteoidosteoma. To quickly review, osteoidosteoma and osteoblastoma of the spine commonly present in the second decade of life. A CT can show a low attenuation nidus with central mineralization and varying degrees of perinidal sclerosis. NSAIDs are thought to inhibit PGE2 and PGI2 produced within the nidus and suppress perinidal edema arising from high levels of COX-2 expression in neoplastic nidal osteoblasts. Byrne et al. reviewed pediatric osteoidosteoma and osteoblastoma of the spine. Osteoblastoma is more likely to have neurological deficit because of spinal canal encroachment. Surgery involves complete resection. They recommend only fusion when the facet and pedicle have been resected and instrumentation if resection of the vertebral body is carried out. Jayakumar et al. discuss a case report of osteoidosteoma of the T6 vertebra that was treated successfully with NSAIDs alone. Osteoidosteomas of the spine are the most common cause of painful scoliosis in children and young adults. They caution against a non-operative course in patients with an immature skeleton, significant skeletal deformity, or with a long delay before diagnosis. And moving on to the final question, which of the following statements regarding osteoidosteomas in the spine is correct? And the choices are 1. Scoliosis caused by osteoidosteoma is typically a flexible curve. 2. Osteoidosteomas in the spine cannot be treated by radiofrequency ablation. 3. Spinal osteoidosteomas typically occur on the concave side of the curve. 4. Osteoidosteomas always occur in the vertebral body of the spine. And 5. Osteoidosteomas in the spine show more malignant histological behavior than those in the extremity. The correct answer to this question is 3. Spinal osteoidosteomas typically occur on the concave side of the curve. So scoliosis caused by osteoidosteomas are typically non-flexible curves where the osteoidosteoma occurs on the concavity of the curve. While peripheral osteoidosteomas far away from the neural elements can be treated with radiofrequency ablation, treating osteoidosteomas of the spine with radiofrequency ablation needs to be done on a case-by-case -case basis, depending on how close the lesion is to the neural elements. Osteoidosteomas can occur in either the vertebral body or the posterior elements of the spine, but typically occur in the posterior elements. Histologically, osteoidosteomas of the spine are identical to those in the extremity. That's all for this review about pathologic scoliosis. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.